Let me tell you a story to open it up. It's kind of related to the cleaning. We'll see how this connects later. Uh, about two years after my wife and I got married, we got our first home. And uh, it was ugly. <laughs> right? it, was, it was not good. It was a bad, it was a, not a pretty home. Uh, it, the exterior was this faded pink vinyl. Uh, the wood porch posts were kind of rotting away at the base. It was just not good. The, the interior... Uh, the kitchen was as, had an asbestos-lined flooring uh, that we couldn't take up without, like, hazmat equipment everywhere. It was just this crazy amount of the things you had to do. Uh, the one bathroom that did work, we had two, but there was only one that worked. And the one that worked didn't have a shower in it, but it did have a toilet, which is a plus, but it didn't have a door. And uh, which was a little awkward, <laughs> so, um, so we kind of had to work on that. But it, it was a lot of work. To, to, to say it was a fixer-upper would probably be a little bit of an understatement, right? It, it had a lot of, of, of stuff going on with it. So for any of you who know me, uh, probably know that I'm not a very handy individual. Uh, I, I can pick up a hammer, I can drill things, I can do some basic stuff, but when it comes to construction, that's really not in my wheelhouse at all, which is why I rely on people like John and Colin getting that blessing box together. You guys are awesome uh, because that's way beyond my skill set, all right? Uh, so we bought the house on faith, essentially. Uh, we said, man, this, this is going to have to take people other than us to get this fixed, but we can afford it. Uh, we know that it'll turn out great eventually, and so we really are going to go ahead and, and lean into that and pray that it all works out. And so we did. So we jumped up into, the, into this fixer-upper, and uh, it wasn't long before we were calling in favors to every friend and family member we had. I mean, everybody. Everybody who I think could even possibly be of help, even just moving stuff. Please come help me get this done. I was begging people, all right, buying a pizza, doing whatever it takes. Come help. I'll feed you. I'll do whatever it is for you to come in and help us out. And I still think of that today and still thank them. If you were listening, you helped me out in that time. Thank you again for doing that for us and my family. We certainly appreciate it. After months of labor, months of, of feeding people to come, please help me, please help, it was, it was ready. Now, it was far from finished, okay? There was lots of work that we did for years after, but you could take a shower, which is a plus, right? That's kind of nice. Uh, you could close the door when you use the bathroom, so that was another plus. Uh, and that was close enough. I was like, it's moving ready. If you can take a shower and you can shut a door, then we're good enough to sleep in, all right? So we're going to do that. Uh, so we, we, we moved in finally after months of having to fix it up to get ready. You know, houses are a funny thing, though. And not just that house, although that was pretty unique in our lives, but houses just in general are, are funny things, aren't they? No matter how tore up or how fixed up, they're not really fulfilling their purpose unless they're lived in, right? You ever thought about that? You probably have. It doesn't matter if it's a hut or if it's a mansion. It's not a home until someone moves in. And you notice that you watch houses that aren't lived in. There's uninhabited houses. Maybe they've been lived in for years, but somebody moves out and it sits there alone by itself empty. But over the, year, over the years that it sits empty, it wastes away until... Most of the time, it just becomes this big eyesore that's probably blocking a really good view, right? And something, unless a house is moved in, it's not really living up to what it's meant to be there for. We spoke last week about how after the resurrection, that 
Jesus told his followers to wait for God's presence and his power and that he would fill them and fuel them to accomplish the mission of bringing in the kingdom of heaven. I encourage you to watch that back from last week on this page or YouTube or listen to the podcast that we put out every week to be able to catch up on that. It was a great, great message. We don't want you to miss it. But he said, wait, you will be filled with God's presence and power. In other words, God was about to what? He's about to move in, right? He's about to come in the house. But he was going to do it in a way that nobody really expected. Okay? So open a Bible. Click on the link that Dawn is about to post. Or may have already done it. Okay, here we go. It is going to be Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. So if you have another tab on your tablet, your phone, or your computer, open that up. Go to Bible.com and click on Acts chapter 2. And we're going to go from verses 1 through 4. We're in the ESV version this morning, so I want to make sure you know that's there. <laughs> she's got it for you. She's, she's getting it hooked up, so you can just go click, and it's going to take you right to it. All right, and so as you do that, let's read, let's watch, and see the beginning of how a small mono-ethnic Jewish sect started with a house of fire and became a multi-ethnic, incredibly large, uh, really became the most ethnically diverse movement in human history. We're going to see how that impacts the world, but and most importantly this morning, impacts you, even now. So let's take a look. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it together, okay? Acts 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, pause, all right? I know, we just started, but let's pause for a sec, okay? You want to remember back to last week, okay? So let's dive in. Remember back to last week, Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem, right? To wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So here we have about 120, and you can look back in Acts chapter 1 and see this is 120. About 120 of them are gathered together in an upper room in Jerusalem doing just as they were told. They were sitting there waiting, being very obedient, which is great, all right? Now, this particular day as they waited together was Pentecost. It was one of the biggest religious holidays in the Jewish calendar. It was huge. And at that point, uh, this point in the calendar, Jews from all over the world would come back to Jerusalem to give thanks to God uh, for, for providing them with the first fruits of harvest. That's what it was about. It was about thanking God for, for the, the first sprouts coming up out of the ground of their harvest and saying, oh, I thank you, God, for providing for that. And so they would come and they would give sacrifices. And they would bring things to the temple and they would just have a great party and celebrate and they would eat good food and they would just have a great time. And it was, it was, it was an awesome day. And so they would bring in it and the city would swell in population, all right? Six to ten times the amount of, of people would swell into Jerusalem. So you have hundreds of thousands of people just filling the city up. In the midst of all that coming and going, right, we had this little 120 men and women hanging out together in this upper room, expecting something to happen, but not quite sure what it would be. Right? All they were told by God or by Jesus was, you're going to get power, and you're, going to be, you're going to be filled with this power, and just wait and hang out. It's going to happen. That's all they got to go on. So they're hanging out. They're waiting for this whatever it is. We talked last week about how waiting is incredibly, incredibly hard. Isn't it? It's incredibly hard. But when you wait on God, you will never be 
disappointed. Their patience and their obedience was rewarded that morning. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 2, where we see that as they're awaiting, the entire atmosphere around them shifted. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 2. And suddenly, as they're awaiting, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, this was no normal wind. We want to make sure we understand what's happening here. This wasn't just uh, a storm that just, or, or a nice spring breeze that filled this room, right? The word mighty there can be translated uh, violent. Okay, let's get this idea in our heads. So it's easy to imagine that these 120 are sitting together in a wind like you would experience on the edge of a hurricane. And it suddenly whips into the room and just starts blowing things over and starts just, just disrupting everything. It's just... It's terrifying experiences. This thing just whoosh, swirls in. They probably thought the whole place is just going to fall down on top of them. It would have been incredibly scary and incredibly terrifying. If any of you have ever sat through a hurricane or a tornado, God forbid, you've ever been even close to a tornado and you hear and feel that whole atmospheric pressure just shifting and the wind starts kicking up. And it's just this incredible moment where you're just not sure if you're going to make it through to the next day. Here they are in this room, all huddled together with this wind. Whoosh! What's going to happen? Now, some of them, even in that split second, I think, may have began to start thinking that this wasn't just a storm. This wasn't just a freak wind that happened to blow in this house. But something far more powerful was going on. They probably, hopefully, have started to remember the stories they grew up on of how their ancestors saw God come down on Mount Sinai in a terrible storm of wind and of lightning and of fire coming down on top of the mountain. Or they remember the story of how the great prophet Elijah stood in a cave at the edge of the mountain while God whipped by and tore the rocks off the side of the mountain. And they may have started to get a little worried at that point if they started to think on those things because when the holy, perfect God of the universe <laughs> comes down, you begin to realize how small and imperfect, and out of place, you are. In times past, before this moment, only a select few were allowed to even get close to God. And many spent their entire lives just hiding from it. We don't want to be close. We just want to go and, and put our offerings here, and we'll back up and leave it alone. He does, he does his thing, we'll, we'll do what we need to do, and we don't want to get too close. It was scary. His presence was held back from the people. It was housed in this big, giant, ornate temple inside this big house. It's beautiful and ornate, and, but it was separated by, by hundreds of yards between ordinary people. The temple was the place where heaven met earth, and God did that because the people weren't ready. They weren't ready to live with Him so close. So their concern was a little bit warranted, Whenever they feel this mighty wind rush in and start thinking about the past and thinking, oh no, if this is more than just a storm, if this is God coming in, what does that mean for us? What does that mean? That might not be a good thing for us. Which what's makes what happened next even more surprising. So let's look at verse 3 of chapter 2. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. You see, although the wind came and filled the entire house where they were sitting, God wasn't just coming to fill the house where they were waiting. He was coming to fill 
them. Coming to fill them. He was moving not to another just location, not from uh, one big temple to another big temple somewhere else, but he was moving in to them. It was going to be, and this was really, and this, this entire shifts the entire uh, arc of the Bible. This is a redefinition of the relationship between God and man. No longer was he set back. No longer were the people to be terrified of, oh, this great God that we can't come close to because we might die if we get close. But he was coming in and settling in on them, moving in to their house, not where they were sitting, them, their house. No longer was he hidden away, accessible only to a select few, layered with rites and rituals and religion. But he was here with each one of them in this moment. You see, like the wind, the flames were physical manifestations of his presence, a way to visibly see the invisible God. It was an unmistakable identifier that this wasn't just a wind, this wasn't just a fire, this wasn't just a hallucination with 120 people sitting around. They weren't smoking something that I know of. I don't think they were doing that. This was a realization that the God of Abraham, that the God of Moses, that the God of Elijah, the great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, not an impersonal force, but a distinct personal history-shaping God was coming to live in each one of them. Instead of one temple set way back, they were all to be temples, each a place where heaven and earth meet. Those 120 that day were, and we this morning are, Empty houses. Some beautiful on the outside. Some of you have beautiful houses, not just the ones you live in, but who you are, right? And you know some of those beautiful houses, people, right? You know those movie stars and maybe even friends and family you have of yours are like, man, they are so perfect. Every hair is just in place. They wake up in the morning and they roll out of bed and they look like they're just ready to go on a movie star set. It's just ridiculous, people. You know, they have these chiseled abs. You know, if you've got kids and you've seen Lego Batman, they have the, you know, the nine-pack abs, right? Just, they just roll out of bed looking good every day, right? They're just chiseled, ready to rock and roll, right? And so th- those, those people have nice, beautiful houses. And then there are others of us, uh, maybe I'm one of them, all right? They're, they're a little worn out, <laughs> right? They're a, little, uh, they're a little worn in certain places. Maybe they're sagging in certain places. They need some, some extra support. And uh, it, it kind of it needs a little bit of fixing, right? A little, little fixer-upper. Those are some of us that are that way. I was feeling that way this morning after playing with the kids yesterday. I rolled out of bed this morning a little bit stiff, <laughs> Uh, a little regretting some of the things I did because uh, my house is starting to wear down a little bit, right? And maybe some of you feel the same way. So, but the fact is that even though some are beautiful and some are a little worn, that we're all empty, that we're all needing to be filled, that we need someone to move in. We're all incomplete. And what we need is to be lived in by the one who formed and fashioned us, the master carpenter that built us, needs to move in to sustain us. And the promise that we have and the incredible hope that we have is that in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, that he is ready to move in. That he has said, 
I will move in. Not that, oh, you need to get that fixed up because if I'm moving in, I'm not moving into a hazard, right? <laughs> He's ready to move in. He's ready to get to work. He's ready to just step in if we're ready to open the door. You see, what makes God's grace amazing is that He knows us inside and out. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you have a closet where you stuff everything. You got a closet where you stuff everything, Dawn? You got a drawer? Is her whole house. All right. Maybe you have a whole house where you stuff things. Maybe you have a junk drawer. Right? I got a junk drawer. It has my wallet in it and a bunch of stuff that I don't want to deal with. I just stuff it all in that drawer and just shut it. And then one day I'll get around to it. And, and sometimes Jennifer will surprise me. She will, she will take my drawer and she will set everything out on top and say, what are you going to do with all this stuff? And I'm like, I'm going to put it back in the drawer where I had it because I don't want to deal with that. That's why I had it there to begin with, right? So maybe you have a closet. Maybe you have a drunk drawer where everything is and that's where you stuff things whenever, especially when someone comes over that you don't want to deal with. You're like, wow, oh man, I, this person, I really want to make sure that they don't think I'm a complete slob. Maybe a partial one, but not a complete one. Let me stuff everything off in this corner or in this drawer so they don't see all that. Maybe you do that. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. So what happens is we don't only do that with our physical space. We do that with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our emotions. We tuck them away. And we hope nobody notices it. Well, let me, let me just, ah, man, I, that, was, that was a bad thought. I really shouldn't have been thinking that. Let me kind of push this and just, let me put it over here. Nobody else has to know I thought it. Nobody else has to know I was even contemplating that. Let me just put it away. And what's crazy about God's amazing grace is that God knows you have that junk drawer in your life. God knows you tuck those feelings and those thoughts and those emotions away, all those things that you don't want to think about, but you still do sometimes that you kind of keep hidden from everybody else, keep it bottled up, keep it off behind this big emotional wall even maybe. God knows you inside and out. And that's terrifying until you remember that even though he knows you, even though he knows your failings, because we all have them, even though he knows your inadequacies, because we all have them, even though he knows that you're prideful, that you have secrets, and he does all those things, and yet still, still, he chooses us. He's chosen you. Before we can even consider choosing him, he chose us. Now you may be thinking, hey, you know, things might need some work around here, but I can take care of it, right? Besides, I like living alone. I don't need somebody else moving into my space. I like having this big bed to roll out on and spread out on. I like having my junk where I have it, and I don't need anybody to come in here and tell me what to do. I'll take care of myself when I get around to it. But are you that confident when you lay down at night alone? Now, I don't mean physically alone. You might have somebody laying in bed next to you, but are you that confident when you're alone with your thoughts and you're thinking through all the things that you haven't done yet or that you can't believe that you're going to have to get to? You can't believe you could even possibly do them. Are you that confident that you can take care of it? Or you may be thinking, there is no way. <laughs> There's no way God wants to move in here, right? There's no way. It's a wreck. You know, I've got empty bottles 
from all the, all the times I've needed to forget something. That's the reminder of those things. I got them tucked over here in this corner. You know, I've got just this ton of emotional baggage spread out all over the floor and the sofa. Some of it just falls into the kitchen from my, from my last divorce, from that last breakup. This, this place is a wreck. I messed up. You probably won't even have a place to come in and, and sit down. But here's how great, here's how great the love of God is. It's so great. It's so great that He doesn't just take us in, clean us up, and set us back out. He comes to the door. He comes to our house. He asks to come in, knowing it's a mess, knowing that we're going to be stubborn, knowing that we're going to be prideful, and say, all right, you can come in, but don't touch this part. Oh, you can come in, but don't move that piece. Knowing all those things, he says, let me come in. And the miraculous thing is, he comes in. He doesn't say, ooh, ooh, you need to clean up. All right, this place is a disaster. You knew I was coming over. Why didn't you clean some stuff up? He doesn't say any of that. He comes in. He looks around. And he says, let's get to work. Not only does he pick up a hammer with you, he says, I'm going to pay for all the repairs. <laughs> I'm going to pay for all the renovation. I'm going to take care of everything in here. It's bought and paid for free and clear. You're not going to have to work a day in your life for it. I'm going to take care of it. And then me and you, we're going to pick up his hammer. And we're going to pick up this drill. We're going to get the supplies. And we're going to get this place fixed. And it's going to be better. Better than the way it was before. Better than before all this stuff filled up this space. It's going to transform all those things like one of those fancy TV shows you see on HGTV or whatever the, the channel is, right? Where they do these great fixer-uppers that just transforms the entire place. It's beautiful, you know? God does that in here. He still does that in here. Not just that morning when He filled their house, but this morning when He wants to fill your house. He's chosen you. You're not too messy. You're not too wrecked. He's chosen you. He has chosen to, to live within each and every one of us. He doesn't need anything. Anything at all. He's God. But He still chose you. Now, you don't have to come here to find Him. You don't have to go to some special mountaintop experience. You just have to simply wait and find that He's already knocking on your door right where you are. And what we find in verse 4 is that when He shows up, He comes with power. All right? He brings electricity free of charge with Him. He's ready to jump right in and power you up. Let's look at verse 4. It says, They are all filled with the Holy Spirit. While they were waiting, the wind comes in, the fire settling on them, God moves into the house. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were filled, right? Every single space occupied. We talked about last week about how baptism uh, means you're being permeated, soaked through. So they were soaked through, filled up to the top and overflowing with God's power and His presence. And you know what happens when God moves in? His presence unlocks the potential for the extraordinary. God is God. Surprise, surprise. Right? God is God. What does that mean? That means He can do 
anything he wants. <laughs> anything. What is extraordinary to us is ordinary to him. And with his presence comes his power. And a power that is not of this world. Now we should clarify what that text means real quick. God gives us this extraordinary power, right? For a purpose. His power isn't like tapping into a non-personal energy, right? That we can just access. We're like, oh, let me try to hook into this, this vague invisible force and, and, and just and get filled up with that so we can use it for our own means, like spiritual superpowers. That's not how that works. It's a connection to the personal presence of a holy God living in our lives, transforming us and equipping us so that we can lead others to experience that same thing. That's it. Not a vague and personal force, a distinct personal relationship with a God who's filling you up to change you from the inside out to go and change others from the inside out. That's all. That's it. That's what it's about. And when he comes in, the power comes with him. So the extraordinary becomes the ordinary, right? That day when the 120 were filled, they began to speak in other languages as it was given to them. And why? You read later, we're not going to cover it today. Look at the rest of the verses after this. They were done so that other people could hear about what God was doing. So they could stop and say, whoa, wait a minute. How can we hear them? How can we understand what they're saying? Nobody else here talks like we do. We're from all over the world. But how are we coming here and these local yokels are talking our language? And they stop and listen. And you'll read how after they stopped and listened because the Holy Spirit was moving and the power of God was there that Peter was able to tell them about Jesus. That's the point of tapping in to God's power. Of Him giving you His power is to equip you so that you can help and share the love of Jesus. Now, you're going to get a benefit from it. It's going to bless you immeasurably. It's going to change your life forever. It's also going to lead you to changing the lives of others. That's ultimately what it's about. God's power is uniquely other-centered. It means it's been given to us so that we can give it to others. And it comes free of charge when he moves in. You know, God has seen your mess and my mess, and yet he still loves you enough to move in and stick with you through it. Now, when you open the door and ask Jesus in, you become the place where heaven and earth meet, where healing can occur, where miracles occur, not because of who you are, but because of the God that lives in you. And when you live in that supernatural hope and that confidence of Jesus choosing you, here's what happens. Here's what this unlocks. Here's the so what. God lives in me. All right, whatever. It should be enough. But if it's not, here's what happens. By God choosing you and living in you, your entire worldview should shift, right? Because what happens is you realize that he has chosen you. He's chosen us. So the threat of rejection, the feelings of unworthiness, the desire to control your life, which we all have, the emotional walls that we've all built up start to come undone. We don't have to live behind those things. We can clean out the closet. We can, we can just tear it sledgehammer and just tear those walls down because in Christ, God has chosen you. Though we're all messed up, He has chosen you today. He loves you. 
He wants to help you, transform you. You can begin to truly be who God has made you to be, a full house, under construction, but truly at home in yourself for the first time by letting Him fill you up and living in and with Him every day. For seekers this morning, for those of you who haven't let God in yet, maybe you're thinking, man, I've heard about Jesus and I understand that you know, maybe He lived and died and rose again. I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around that last part. The resurrection is kind of crazy. And so I'm trying to figure that out. Thank you for checking us out this morning. I, that Faith Church exists. I say it every week. I will continue to say it every week. Faith Church exists for you. We exist for those who are saying, well, it, I don't quite understand. I don't quite know if I'm ready to be filled with this God of the universe. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to jump in on that. That's a big, big change. <laughs> it absolutely is. First of all, thank you for watching today, even for just a minute. All right, I hope it, it, it drew you in enough so that you want to come back because we want you to be here. We want you to be here every week on live stream. We want you to be physically with us. We, are, we want you to connect with us when we can physically come back together again. Because life is way too hard, way too complicated to have to fight on your own. And you don't have to. God wants to live in you, and God is, will bring you. We're going to talk about that next week. God wants to bring you with others who are going to walk that journey with you. So we want to walk this journey of faith with you. So thank you for checking us out. Come back and check us out every week. If you're new here, here being relative, right? So if you're new with us this morning, online, virtually, we want you to like. Miss Dawn's going to post a comment here in just a sec. We want you to just like the comment. If this is your first or second time, maybe even third because it's been a few weeks. So if you check this out, maybe a minute or two, and this is your first time really diving in. So if this is your first, second, or third time really watching along with us for the first time and checking us out, she's going to post a comment, and we just want you to like it, okay? Now, we're not going to harass you. We're not going to stalk you. That's weird, right? We're just going to connect with you. We want to say thank you for visiting us. We want to give you a big virtual hug. We want to do whatever we can to be able to make you feel welcome because we do appreciate you, pre, appreciate you if I can tell you that you're here this morning. You're why we're here. If you're ready, though, to go beyond that, if you're ready to be filled up, if you're like, man, I know my life is a mess and I know I can't clean this place out. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's trashed. <laughs> and you're ready to follow Jesus, the one who has lived, died, and rose again for you, who knows your mess, who wants to move in anyway, has chosen you, wants to live in you. If you're ready to make that decision, today is the day. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait so you can come here to experience that. You don't have to go to a special person to make that happen. God's knocking on your door right now. If you're ready to respond, we're going to give you an opportunity to in just one minute. Believers, here we go, church. Even if you're not part of our church, if you're a believer, let's do this, right? There's a difference between knowing the truth and living it. Remember that. God's word to us this morning should serve to remind us of who we are in him. We need to read this with a confidence, knowing that we are not empty, but that we are filled with his presence. 
That we need to reclaim that moment. Right? We get sometimes that gets lost. We're like, oh, God seems so far away. Right? Sometimes we think we mess up and, and God leaves the house. He has not left you this morning. You cannot mess up enough for him to move out. He's not going to say, eh, see you later. That's enough. He already knows. And he still wants to stick with you. He is sticking with you through this. Whatever your is, this is, he's sticking through it with you right now this morning. Reclaim that hope. Because God's, God's word is true yesterday, today, and forever. Know that he lives in you and is giving you his power and his presence for a purpose this morning. Don't miss it. Don't deny it. Live in it. Let it change you. Let it shift how you look at the world. I know you're under construction because I am, but God is faithful to finish what he starts. So when you mess up, and you will, and you begin hearing those whispers of doubt, discouragement, and you begin to think, I'm not worthy Reread Acts 2 and remember that God hasn't left you. He's not out of reach. He's right there, ready to work through your pain. Take hope this week, live in it, and share it with someone who doesn't have it yet. Let's pray together. Wherever you're at, if you want to bow your heads, you can. If you like to keep your eyes open. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you're comfortable with, to be able to focus on God. For those who are seeking this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with you. For those who are ready to respond, to make a decision for Jesus, here's what you do. You simply talk to God. That's what prayer is, simply talking to God. And you do it like this. You say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for trying to clean up all this mess on my own. I realize I cannot do it. It's too much. And I want, I want you to move in. I want to experience your presence and your power to change me. God, help me to know you're here, to live for you today and every day. Thank you. And if you're here this morning and you made that decision, we want you to respond to it. So, Ms. Don's going to post a comment, trying to look something a little different. She's going to post a comment that if you have made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, we just want you to like it, all right? Just like that comment. Nobody's going to know it's you but me and Ms. Dawn, <laughs> right? So nobody's going to know but us too. And we're going to connect with you, all right? We're going to follow up with you, and we're going to tell you how this changes you forever and what happens next and how we can walk this new road with you. That's what it's about. So please do that. Let's continue and close in this last prayer, though. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us the hope and promise that Acts 2 was not just a one-time moment, that, God, you are a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that, God, you have promised to fill our houses up with you. (laughs) You have chosen us That we are not rejected, we are not lost, we are not forsaken, we are chosen in you, Jesus. And God, we praise you for choosing us who are broken, who are messed up, who are not perfect in the least bit. But God, you have pursued us with your amazing love. God, and have changed us, God, from the inside out. God, help us to live it, 
God, help us to share it. Help us to be transformed and see others transformed by your power today and every day this week. God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. I pray that we serve you well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for checking us out this week. Check the posts later today. There's going to be Mother's Day posts. Don't miss it, moms. Don't miss it, family. It's going to be great. Check us out later today. Like this page. Follow us up. Follow up on us so that we, you can make sure you follow us. Check us out on Instagram tonight, 7.30. This will repost. Check us out on TikTok, on Twitter, on all over the world. We're everywhere. And our website, faithchurchbt.com. And we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much.